I'm going to preach about tonight a little bit about discipleship. Little Billy was watching. And my mom and dad weren't telling me a bunch of philosophical things and weren't going to the Bible and pointing me out to verses and all that. They were just doing it. And they didn't realize how powerful, how powerfully that was impacting my mind, my spirit. And so I want to bring you to the book of 2 Kings tonight. <laughs> I'm a little weak, a little off my game, but I believe I'm getting stronger. Now, the grace of God, I should be 100% here pretty soon. But forgive me that I've had to back off a few things. I sure didn't want to. I would have loved him and come and spread the COVID all over the place. And so we're, we're looking here at 2 Kings chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse 6. The story of discipleship between Elijah and Elisha. And the title, and I've preached on this title for sure before, Will You Take Up the Mantle? Again, this is not a real, ooh, real creative title. Lots of men have preached on this passage, and lots of men have used that title. Why not? Will you pick up the mantle? Many of you have already decided to do that here tonight. And many of you know this story ahead of time. Elijah is getting old. It's time to go to heaven. Uh, he's got a number of young men that have been following him. We know over 50. But a specifically one named Elisha. It seemed to be God calling out to take the place of Elijah. Elijah does some interesting things here. Looking back in the passage in verse 2 uh, and verse 4, he tries to get Elisha to quit following me. Quit following me. It's a test. It's a test. And Elisha says, oh, no, no, no. Wherever you go, I'm going. I'm observing what's going on. He said, we pick up with a third time in verse 6, Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee, hear, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, the Lord, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they stood, these two people, that is Elijah and Elisha, stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle, that's his covering, outward, outer covering, and he wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither so that they went over on dry ground. It came to pass, and when they were going over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Ooh, boy. And he said, Thou hast <laughs> ask a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me, when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. So he didn't presume on God, did he? 
even though he was a man of God and knew, really knew God pretty well, he never presumed on God there. He said, if, if you see me go, God said yes. If you see me, don't see me go, then God's saying no to you. And, as, and it came to pass as they still went on and talked, and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he, he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. He took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. <clears throat> Their clothing was not the quality of our clothing. Uh, I, can, I would challenge some of you to, to rip some of your stuff in two. You're going to have to go to the gym a little bit more. Their clothing was not nearly of that quality. It was all, it was all naturally grown material. And uh, the, the process of putting it together wasn't as good. And so they could, could rip their clothes from top to bottom and did. And this is the text, really. He took up also the mantle of Elijah. He took up, he reached down and took up Elijah's mantle that fell from him and went back and stood by the Jordan. One of my, this is one of my favorite places of Scripture. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters. He didn't just casually hit him, man. He wrapped that thing together and he smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And I think every one of you young people in this room, sometimes you hear discouraging words from us old timers because we've been, we're, we're battle scarred. We, we walk with a limp. Mature Christians walk with a limp. They've been through a lot. You don't know what that is. Don't criticize them. Don't get too hard on them. But sometimes they get a little pessimistic, a little negative about the future and all that. All I can say is the future is as bright tonight as it was when I was 18 years old and God called me. The God of Elijah is still alive tonight. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? That's the cry of my heart. The cry of your heart should be, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He'll answer the cry of faith, brother. He'll answer it. He's looking for folks who believe. He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changed. I don't know if you've read the end of the story, but the world's not going to win. I'm not sure if you've read that. Maybe they read the end of the book, but the King of kings and the Lord of lords is going to triumph over all evil. I love that. When it's smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, right in half, and, and Elisha went over. The sons of the prophets, which, by the way, were viewing with their binoculars, at Jericho saw him and said, "There's no," but they did not have binoculars because that's going to come back at me. And they said, "The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha." And they came to meet him and bowed themselves down to the ground before him. 
I read one time, Bible Christianity is one generation away from extinction. I think that's humanistically looking at it. Christianity cannot be extinguished. I like what Jesus said in a triumphant entry when he comes in and, and his disciples are, are, playing, are saying, glory to God, you know, Hosanna. And the old Pharisees are always there to say, hey, now, they shouldn't be saying that. And he says, well, if they shut up, these rocks here will cry out. Brother, if you won't do the will of God, God will raise somebody who will do the will of God from some other place. I don't want him to bypass me. I want him to use me. As a young Bible-believing man, I had a lot of decisions early on, 18 years old, when I got really right with God and answered his call. A lot of crossroads to go a lot of paths to go, a lot of decisions to make, a lot of hard years, a good 10 hard years faced me. I had some life-changing decisions. I'd already decided to follow Jesus, to read the Bible and obey what it said, to practice Bible principles that he would show me in my life. I'd already committed to that. I committed the. I believe the promises of God were true every one. But there were other more direction-changing decisions that were ahead of me. Who would I model my life after? I love Jesus and I love the Bible, but I need a living model, a walking model, a talking model. Somebody that I could, here's a good word, by the way, have tutelage under. Tutelage. Say it, it comes across your tongue. Tutelage, let's all say it together. Tutelage, it's a good word. Tutelage. I wanted to have, I needed somebody to teach me to fish, to put it in Nick's language. I needed somebody to take me out and show me how you hold the rod and when you get the bite and when to jerk and when to, you guys are going to get that tomorrow, and when to, when to pull and you know, and when not to, and how to put the bait on, and there are hundreds of things you got to learn when you fish. Believe it or not, fishing is not easy. <clears throat> Nobody feels sorry for you when you go, but fishing is not easy. The next morning, you're sore all over. Your whole body's sore. Are you feeling okay, brother? Yeah, I bet. But uh, I needed a role model. Someone who, were, who was living out the things that I, had was, I was reading in the Bible. That's the way Jesus taught his disciples. People say, well, how, you want to learn something? Go in the Bible, see how they did it. Yeah. How did Jesus teach his disciples? Well, he had no school of theology to offer, no courses, of, no technical courses to take, no real written curriculum to study. He did have a curriculum, but it wasn't written curriculum. He had no formal tests, though he did test them. He had no formal tests to give them. But Christ simply said to the men who he wanted to disciple, that would eventually be given the responsibility of reaching the entire world of their day, 
without the internet, without electricity, on and on it goes. Follow me. Follow me. Sometimes we, we over complex, we, we make things too complex. Follow Jesus. But you can't see Jesus. You can't touch Jesus. He's in He's a spirit. And he's in right now he's in the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And he's there and we're here. And we have the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit, and we can't see him or touch him. We know he's there and he touches us and he teaches us and he talks to us. But I need a model that I can touch and hug and watch. It was Jesus' way to observe. He basically said, observe me day by day, day in, day out. About three, three and a half years, they got to do that. My dad taught me floor covering, all kinds of various uh, types of floor covering, installation specifically, tile, vinyl, um, countertops, carpet. He started me when I was about about seven years old. Maybe that's that tall. One real tall kid. Now, Walling is seven, but Bill at seven is down here. But uh, seven years old, so he took me on the job before all these stupid liability laws and they keep kids going to work with their dad. Man, it's the greatest thing in the world to have your kid go to work with you. My dad took me to work, boy, and he gave me a new name. There's a new name written down in glory. Mud boy. <laughs> he'd get affectionate and he'd say, M -m 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 mud boy, stutter a little bit. M -m -m mud boy. And uh, when he died, the last thing he said to me, he called me Duke. I'm like, why did you name me Bill? Calling me everything but my name. He affectionately called me Duke. I knew that was an affectionate name for me. And, uh, and the bottom line was that he taught me how to put a two-inch uh, cement bed in and sprinkle neat cement on it and put tile on it with a wood block and tap it to where it was really perfectly level together. And they still do that type of work. That's ancient. It goes even back to the Romans. That's the way they did it. And uh, to do that, you had to mix, hand mix all that cement. And so I got to learn to, to mix cement. I didn't take a course on how to mix cement. I watched him. He put cement on some, he put contact cement on the back of Formica, which is what you glued Formica down with. And he'd say, now, son, I want you to watch me. Watch me. And he'd take that brush and he said, He'd go like that, and he'd put it on. He said, now, you notice how I butter the edges, butter to the edges, butter the edges? I noticed when he ordered his toast, he said, I want my toast buttered to the edges. And I thought, hmm. So I went to Waffle House, and I said, I want toast buttered edges, freshly made and golden brown, just before they threw me out. But anyway, <laughs> so he, he would have me, and he said, nope, not good enough. Do that again. I said, well, that's pretty good. He said, that pretty good ain't good enough. And so I take that contact cement. He said, now you got to hurry up. The cement's going dry. Oh, I don't think he was worried about my self-image. 
And so he taught me all those things by observation. That's exactly the way Jesus taught his disciples. He worked with them. He said, watch what I do. Listen to what I do. The greatest teacher that ever walked the face of the earth was Jesus. Do you say amen to that? There's a black church. They'd stand up and say, glory to God. I believe so. Yet Jesus found and produced men by this method who would die for him. They had a sense that they were willing to die for him. That no amount of discouragement was going to make him stop. By the way, they proved it to be true, even though they had a rough road getting to that point. Uh, He did not pick the smartest man. He did not pick the most socially skilled man. He did not pick the best mannered man. Fishermen are crude, usually a group of people. Uh, No offense, man. But they were commercial fishing. And and he he didn't pick the most talented man. But if you pick men who were loyal to what they saw, get that. They were loyal to what they saw when they got convinced it was real. Out of all the people who walked with Jesus, and there were many hundreds of people who followed Jesus, only 11 of them made the inner circle of the apostles. And I know Judas Iscariot did, but he was already known not to be part of that group from the beginning. These 11 eventually turned out to be 500 at the ascension, 120 in the upper room. Eventually, through the Holy Spirit, filled all Jerusalem. 2,000 saved, 3,000 saved in the first two sermons preached in the book of Acts. What we see here happen with Elijah and Elisha happens today with leadership training. Oh, I do not mean there are chariots of fire, but I mean the lesson of discipleship is making and making disciples is recorded for us in this passage. Three times Elisha tests Elisha to see if he's with the program. Uh, Are you going to tarry here and I'll leave? No, I'm sticking with you. Three times Elijah replied, I'm with an oath. As the Lord liveth, I'm not leaving. I'm with the program. What was going on here? Well, the other sons of the prophets were, were what the Bible say, afar off. And they were watching from afar off, not really interested in what was going on there with Elijah. Though they knew he was going to be taken up to heaven, just like Elisha did. They stood afar off to watch. The truth here is that too many Christians today, like couch potatoes, sit afar off from the work of God and the men of God, and they... Like football, like football, people in the stadium of a football game, they observe the people on the field. Brother, you don't want to be out there on the stands. You want to be in the field. Now. You want to be on the field. You want to be part of where the, where the action's at. Because where the, on the people on the field, that's where the blessing's at. That's where God's at. But Elijah ends up with only one real loyal follower, it looks like, Elisha. Well, that was enough. That was enough. Elisha got to stand and feel the Jordan River divide in front of Elijah. He got to hear it happen. Uh, He got to walk with God's man across dry ground 
while these other 50 people, they may have been cheering from the side, but they didn't get to experience it because they weren't there. They were straining to see what happened through their binoculars that they did not have. God was able and willing especially to bless Elisha because of his loyalty and interest in the will of God, I believe. Ask what I shall do for thee. Boy, he didn't ask those 50 that. Mm -mm, They didn't get to hear that. No, but he said, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. I believe he was talking about two things there. I believe he was talking about the person of Elijah himself, as well as the spirit of God that was in Elijah that was making that, that those things happen. Give me a portion, a double portion of thy spirit. Jesus' disciples wanted what they saw too, without the curriculum and the degree and organized theory or the textbooks, but they saw Jesus and said, we want what you have. Elijah was loyal to God and his word when the whole nation had fallen apart and away from God. He thought he was alone at one time. People to me say it's fundamentalism and uh, Bible fundamentalism in America dying. It can't die. I mean, we can wane back and forth and all that. The organization, the institution, but if we're Bible-based and Bible-true followers that, that group of people is not going to die. You label us what you want. You can label us what you want through history. But there's always a group and a remnant of Bible-believing people that are willing to lay their life down for Christ and believe 100% of what the Word of God says. That's who we are. Now, if you're looking for perfect people, you've got to keep moving. But I'm looking for people that have their hand to the plow and won't look back. They believe every word of, the, of God is true. Not just when it's convenient for them, but when it's very inconvenient, they believe it's true. When it costs them, they believe it's true. And they want to live it that way. Elijah was, I like that. One of my, another one of my favorite passages is when Elijah gets so down, you know, he wants to die. Hey. Sometimes independent old fundamental people get depressed. We don't want to admit it to anybody, do we? Glory to God, every promise in the Bible is true. (laughs) Take me home. I'm better dead than alive. I'm the only one left. I'm the only independent fundamental Bible living Baptist South Florida, all the rest of them. No good low lives left. And God says, what? I've got 7,000 haven't bowed their knee to bear. That's a pretty good-sized group. I still got 7,000. 7,000? I haven't met them. Well, just because you haven't met them don't mean they don't exist. Thought he was alone. He wasn't. Sometimes we may think we're alone. We're not. God raises his people up from every tongue and every tribe and every kindred and every nation. He has a representation there in the book of Revelation. The same mantle that God used to divide the Jordan River through Elijah, that same mantle 
that saw God work seven great miracles through Elijah's lifetime, Elijah said, I want it. And he reached down and he took it. In my life, personally, I was looking for a mentor. I said, God, I need a mentor that's real people. It's like Elijah. And I got up under a guy by the name of Harry McKinney. His initials were H-A-M. Ham. And in some ways, he kind of would do as a ham. He liked to ham it up a little. He had a good sense of humor. It's exactly what I needed. Exactly what I needed at that time in life. 28-year-old man. Came up under old Harry A. McKinney, and he's 60 years old. Man, he's ancient by that time. And God put me under that guy's tutelage and allowed me to watch him. Went door to door with him, house to house with him. He had me preach some. Sat under his preaching, his testimony. Walked with him during the week, and God began to, I began, remember, just like my dad, I began to, I was paying attention. I was following. That old brother, that old brother stepped down and said, Lord God, give me, give me some of what old Harry McKinney had. I remember old the Harold Seitler at Tabernacle Baptist Church, same kind of deal. Under, I was only under him for about three and a half years. But I remember I heard he died, and I went up to his grave up in Greenville, big old, big old grave and uh, cemetery in Greenville. And found it. it. Took me a while to find. About an hour. Found his grave. Got down on that grave and said, "God, I want, I want, I want some of this. I want some of this. Some of what you gave this guy. I want it. I want to propagate what he propagated for his whole life. Oh, God, help me to propagate that same thing for my life. Help me to take the baton." When I mean baton, you know, in, in, uh, I used to do the 440 uh, relay, which was one-mile run, 440, 440, 440, 440. And uh, switching the baton was, it was everything, almost everything. I mean, if you, if you were a half a quarter mile behind, it wasn't everything. But if you were close to the guy in lead, you had to switch that baton just right. And we passed, we practiced hour after hour Passing that baton from one to the other, one to the other, one to the other. Don't drop the baton. I remember the coach yelling at us, boy. Pass that on for easier. Make sure you grab that. Make sure it hits. Don't you? When they hit the back of your hand. If you start running and it hit the back of your hand, you squeezed on that thing and got it before he let go of it. That's the way I feel that we are to each other. Some of us are on the way out of the out of the game, and we're we're ready to pass the baton on to some of you and. We're hoping by the grace of God you want it. And that you you want the you want what God has been able to do. And you want some of the same kind of ministries. I'd love to see Gospel Baptist Church go on a hundred years if Jesus tarries by the grace of God. And why not? Why not? Well, I know God answered his prayer. Elisha did twice the miracles of Elijah. Now do you think that made Elijah mad? That Elisha got to do twice a miracle. He don't make people. Let me tell you, if you love people, you're the person that follows you, does twice as good as you did, you jump up in the air, say, hallelujah, glory to God. Woo! They did better than I did. Harry McKinney used to call me. He was alive for a while. 
he and Naomi while I was uh, here at the beginning, and and we were growing and and things were expanding and and um, he oh he called me and he said oh preacher I can't tell you how thrilled I am to hear the news I've been hearing about what's going on down there at the gospel we'd build a building or something he said oh preacher oh I'm so happy. And, uh, you know, I was just thrilled as a younger guy to be able to bless this old man's soul. I said, well, praise God, if it wouldn't be for you, I wouldn't be here. If it wouldn't be for your honest, upright, truthful life in Christ, I wouldn't be here. Will you take up the mantle? Will you take it up? There's a world that's dying without Christ. They don't need no half-hearted people messing around. They need people of a total heart. They don't need observers, people who know maybe the structure of it, but don't know the heart of it. They need people who know Christ and have walked with him. Are willing to forsake the world's cry on your life, its claim on your life, it's cry for immorality and it's cry for drinking and drugs and it's cry for it's pornography and it's cry just to keep you occupied like I talked about this morning, just to keep you occupied till it's over. I couldn't believe one time I had a call from a, a wife. Um, she said, I got to have some counseling preacher. I need you to help us. My marriage is in trouble. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Come on in, come on in. And she came in to talk to me. And she said, my, son, my, my husband stays up to two in the morning playing video games. And I go to bed. We go to bed about 10 o'clock. And I just want him to come to bed with me one time, but we go to bed together. You know how to just go to bed together as a family. And, and I'll go to bed at 10, and he'll say, well, I'll be there. And then play them video games till 1, 2 in the morning. You tell me. Something's real wrong with that whole deal. Real wrong with that. Real wrong. The devil's just trying to use your time up. Keep your mind occupied on what's not wholesome and real, like I said this morning. Don't you fall into that trap. It's not whether it's right or wrong. People say to me, well, there's nothing wrong with, with, with such and such, you know, boom, 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 kill, kill. I think there's something wrong with killing people, even if it's, even if it's imaginary. If I shoot you imaginarily enough, it's going to be easy for me to take a real gun and shoot you. I believe that's why we're having these mass killings. These people have practiced long before they take those guns and go in those schools or go in those shopping centers because I've hunted enough to tell you it's gruesome what they see. Shooting people short, point blank, seeing their brains scattered out and they squeal and wiggle around on the floor and writhing in their own blood. And if that's not enough, they shoot them again. Let me tell you, the cold hardness required to do that, something had to be broken down somewhere. I think those video games broke down that natural barrier we have to that. Something happened. I'm not the only voice in that area, by the way. 
But the devil, are you willing to forsake those things? When the Bible says that we forsake the world, forsake the world and give me Jesus, it's talking about that kinds of that kind of stuff. The world clamors for your life. And God says, Will you take up the mantle of those who've gone before you? And will you will you live the Christian life in a, in a manner that you saw them live? We reach down like Elisha at the Jordan River and pick it up. Pick up the old fundamental Bible-believing mantle and go, go on before. Catch that spirit. Get involved. Get on board. Be total. Be blessed. And maybe God, by the grace of God, will do twice what he did through those before you. I think old Jimmy McCullum. Jimmy McCullum. Man, I wanted to pick the mantle up that Jimmy had to drop when he died. Ernie Stewart, I, in some measure, wanted and have picked the mantle up of old Ernie Stewart. You don't know these people. V.L. Martin, you definitely don't know him. I, I wanted to pick his mantle up and did in some measure. As I mentioned to you, Harry McKinney wanted to pick the mantle up that he dropped. All of us are dropping a mantle, dropping a ministry, dropping a call, it's over. It's finished. It gets done. Now, oh, by the grace of God, determine in your heart you're going to pick up where these people may be able to, where they go on to heaven. I want to pick up old Bobby Rose's mantle. I had uh, somebody come to me not long ago and they say, Marilyn and Bob Rose are no longer able to do their cookouts, you know, no longer do their fish cookouts, health food cookouts. I said, I know. They said, we want to take up their mantle. I said, what? We want to take up their mantle. I said, you want to do what they've done? They said, yeah, we want to do what they did. I said, well, well here's the deal. You do, if you'll do what they did, we'll pay for all the expenses. We'll pay for the fish. We'll pay, most of them we don't have to pay for the fish. We can mooch it off Nick. But nevertheless, we'll pay for the fish. We'll pay for the oil. We'll pay for the gas to cook it. It's a deal. All you got to do is all the work. And I said, I'll tell you on top of that, I'll come over and eat it. I'm for Oh, you will not be upset with yourself 30 years from now if you pick that mantle up. You will not be upset about it. You'll go, glory, thank you, Jesus. 27 years ago, they came to gospel, but you guys were already doing that in North Dakota. The Roses started doing that old cookout thing in North Dakota because he caught walleyes up there like that. And uh, we had to do something with the fish. You got to justify your habit. No better way to do it, I don't think. Use it for Jesus, Amen. I tell people, if you golf, use golf and invite people, use it for Jesus. If you play baseball, use baseball for Jesus by the grace of God. But use it for Christ. Have a ministry. May God help us to look and say, God help, what mantle would you want me to pick up? Some of you have already done this. It's already a done deal in your life. You've picked it up. Well, Tom Gillespie's getting old. Tom's have been names, been up there. He got 21 this morning. He, I remember when they were taking 50, 60 kids and they were coming to the church. 
But, you know, I think about it. You know, there's going to be an old time. Gillespie's going to pass on. He's not going to be able to do the bus ministry. He's going to go crazy maybe. And he won't be able to do the bus ministry anymore. You willing to pick it up? Oh, yeah. Don't let it go blank. So that's my, I'm going to pick up Tom Gillespie's ministry. Eventually, Nick ain't going to be able to do it. Somebody's going to pick up your, your mantle, brother. You're going to drop a mantle. Somebody needs to go down there and say, I'm going to pick this mantle up. Somebody's going to, I don't want to leave anybody out here. Can I read that? Eh? Carbon. Smith. Yeah, that's Smitty, man. He's getting old. Somebody's going to pick up, somebody needs to pick up old Smitty's mantle. There's just, those kids in the future are going to be just as lost as these kids been. Amen. They're going to need somebody coming by their house encouraging them to come to church listen to the gospel just as much as anybody else ever can. Let's say every young person in this room and even youngish person, think about it. Look for somebody. Follow them. Observe them. And say, I want that. That's what Elijah, Elisha did. When it came time for Elijah to go on, they said, he said, I want it. And God said, you get it. You get it, and I'm going to double the portion because of your spirit. And God help us. Father, thank you tonight for the word of God. Thank you for the teaching and discipleship. Thank you, Lord God, for the examples all through the Bible that we can look at and be instructed in. There are numbers of young people in this room, and we just pray that, God, that they would contemplate these words, and the Holy Spirit would interpret these words to them specifically interpret it to the specific place and person. And Lord God, help us. Uh, older folks, they're already in ministries to understand the people are watching. Try to, to try to duplicate ourselves by the grace of God. There may be some here without Christ as your personal Savior. If you died, you don't know where you're going to spend eternity. Now, we all know we die, but where are you going to spend eternity? Where are you going to go? Bible's clear on that. Bible said, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. The Lord Jesus wants to save you and forgive you of your sin. But if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. It's the gospel, the good news of how to be saved. We'd like to explain that to you. I hope you don't leave here without us just giving you a five-minute chat or maybe giving some material to you to look at. We love you. We're unobtrusive. Father, just pray that Christians all through this group, the Holy Spirit would use this. And wherever this goes, through the Internet, the young people and younger people listening to this may say, God, help me to pick up some mantles by the grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.